Welcome to Soul Self. I'm your host, Shayna, a mindset coach and master energy healer here to provide a conscious view and tools on navigating goddess spirituality. Here we discuss all things love, sex, relationships, mindset, manifesting confidence, and more. So you can live an abundant, stress-free life full of pleasure and be the woman that lights up a room. I'm so excited to talk to you about sex life. Not my sex life. But the Netflix show that everyone seems obsessed with. And I'm going to be talking about two episodes per podcast episode. If you want to understand, you'll need to watch Sex Life. The reason why I'm doing this is because I want you, my followers, my audience, my clients, to start realizing these patterns so that you notice when there are unhealthy patterns, wounding, behavior, and trauma in your life. So, Today, I'm going to dive into the struggles that mothers have postpartum, sex drive and the difference between men and women, mother and lover archetypes, the feminine and wanting to feel desired, addiction, manipulation, and trauma bonding, communicating sexual desires, sexual shame around kinky subdom kind of sex, also about the feeling of not being good enough the importance of postpartum support, kinky yet nourishing sex, normalizing the need for clitoral stimulation, and we're also going to be talking about the shower scene. If you know, you know, baby. Um, how your childhood affects your relationships, addiction, and the struggles of when masculinity is threatened. I know that was a fucking mouthful, but let's fucking start dissecting this starting with episode one. Firstly, this show does a really good job of the struggles a mother can have postpartum, which is really, really important. I think it's really easy for all of us to think that, you know, the men are the ones that have affairs and these fantasies and they're not happy with their sex life and X, Y, and Z. But often more ladies than not, like, my female clients have a higher sex drive than their partners. Now, I also have male clients who have a higher sex drive than their female counterpart. But from a percentage basis, I would say 70% of women that I have come across have a way higher sex drive than their partner. And I also want to add a little bit. Um, when I'm talking about this, I'm just kind of flowing but I want to add the educational portion so you guys can see how it works and apply it to your life. So remember, when it comes to sex with men, if a man has been working all day and he's exhausted, he doesn't want to have sex, right? Because he's putting in work. But if a woman has been working hard all day, she wants to get fucked. Like, we want to get our brains fucked and slammed up against the wall, like dominate the fuck out of me, right? Because that's what helps a woman to get into her feminine. So for us, it can actually be rejuvenating and relaxing. But for men, if they've had a long day and they're exhausted, the last fucking thing I want to do is go fuck a woman in the bedroom because it's more output, more energy output. And that's why when men are stressed, they will say no thank you to sex. And this is a generalization, but 
when women are stressed, they're like, fuck yes to sex, right? Like, when I'm stressed, I want more sex than when I'm not stressed. Because when I'm stressed, it's my body's way of being like, I need to get fucked so I can be in my feminine. And, like, you're literally forced into your feminine, which is like, oh, yes, yummy. And the example I kind of use is, like, when I'm on vacation, I want to be made love to. And if I'm working and, you know, seeing clients and working my corporate job and whatever, I want to be fucked, like, hardcore fucked, right? But vacation time is different. It's like, ooh, yes, lovey-tovey time. But, you know, after a long day of, like, running around and stuff, I just want to, like, surrender. So first thing with the show, the mom is bored with mom life, right? She's tired of doing the same thing every fucking day. Like, we need change as human beings. All humans get bored of doing the same shit every fucking day, especially the feminine, A woman needs range and creativity. We need change. We thrive on on different places, like, and senses need to be activated. We don't thrive in structure and doing the same shit every fucking day. So I've told you guys before, this is why women doing strict morning routines, meal plans, it'll, they'll come to a point where they're like, fuck this shit, it's not working, and they go the opposite extreme where they don't have any discipline. And this is because a woman does not thrive for very long. Feminine being women, like like a feminine core, they don't thrive for long periods of time being in structure and routine. But men do. So this mom is really struggling with doing the same shit every fucking day and she's bored. So naturally her brain is going to go elsewhere. And something else that you might have seen is they kind of flash through like all these good moments of like crazy sex and they also flash through like bad moments of how, you know, her her system was so jacked up by the time she met Connor, fuck, Cooper, what's the husband's name? I don't know, whatever her husband's name is, right? So she's like remembering the good times but also the bad times, like, and that's what human beings do. We remember the good times over the bad, you know, for example, when I was, you know, in my toxic relationship, I think about the good times more than the bad times because of all of the dopamine, serotonin, adrenaline that's like rushing through, it actually overpowers and like kind of deletes all the bad stuff if that makes any sense like we remember the good times over the bad things and this is why women who get into narcissistic relationships which I'm actually gonna have a podcast on this maybe next week or something but their brains remember the good times over the bad times so can you imagine if our brain easily remembered the bad times over the good times like Dude, we would not do anything that causes us, like, pain in the past. We would never date again. We would never fall in love again. We would never fucking travel or switch countries or, like, go skateboarding or surfing if we hurt ourselves the first time. So you have to remember the good times over the bad times, but then you also have to give yourself that reality check because you're fighting with biology. And 
you know, like when you're fighting with biology, it's very, very challenging. And this is why when I'm working with any of my clients, when it comes to biology, we can't fight this shit. We have to work with it. And I feel like so many people these days try to fight their biology instead of actually loving their biology and just working with it. And instead of against it, because the truth is like, you're never going to win if you work against your biology. I'm just saying, um, the other thing is episode one and two, the wife is wanting, fuck, what's her name? It's with an M. No. Oh my God. Whatever her name is, right? She wants to be forced into her feminine. So that's why she wants to be fucked. She wants to be fucked into the lover archetype. She doesn't want to feel like a mom all the time. She wants to feel like she's desired. Women want to feel desired. Women want to feel cherished. And if women aren't feeling cherished and desired and wanted, then we will go elsewhere to get it. Just like if a man isn't feeling respected, he will go somewhere else to get respected. Okay, I pulled up the names because Lord knows I am bad with names. So anyways, Billy wants to be forced into her lover archetype because she's exhausted of being a mother all the time. And she wants to feel like her husband, Cooper, desires her. And it's really hard for women to not feel that way and want to be like ravished. Like, ooh, like you are mine, right? Like, When a woman is deeply in her feminine, that's what she craves. And let's also remember that when a woman goes into motherhood, she will become more feminine, more empathetic, more warm because of their children most of the time. And I mean, there's plenty of moms that are fucking control freaks and they're masculine and whatever. And those are the women that come to me and, you know, we work on that shit. But you can actually tell... Billy was pretty tapped into her feminine in the beginning, like when she was fucking around with Brad and everything. And I mean, there was definitely like a wounded feminine in there. Like, I'm not going to deny that, but you can actually see that she was very sensual, very sexual. She was really tapped into her desires. She was very liberated and she was very like body, right? Like her energy was very in her body, which is feminine and not denying, you know, there was feminine wounding, but yeah. And then the next thing is that she became addicted to Brad, the boyfriend, because she saw another side of him. So I think it was episode one or two and they were in the pool together and she, like when they're in the car going to his place and she guesses his childhood and she gets it right. So then, of course, she feels special. And then when they were um, in the pool, she says that she saw a different side of him that no one else had seen. She feels special. He tells her, no one has seen this side of me, blah, blah, blah. And what that's doing is it's allowing her to get addicted to this idea of, I am seen, I am special, I am wanted. No other female has seen this side of him. Therefore, I'm special. And that's just screaming fucking daddy issues because she's probably spent her whole life 
wanting to be seen and feels special by her dad. And now Brad gives her that. So then she becomes addicted to him. When we jump back into Billy's motherhood, she's having these flashbacks of her beautiful hot sex with Brad. And she's coming back into her self-liberated part. And then she comes back to her adult self, right? So she feels lost. She doesn't feel like she knows herself. She feels like she lost a part of herself. And the thing is, instead of her moving through it and feeling the anger, feeling the sadness, feeling the heartbreak, the despair, and feeling all those things, she is trying to go back in time where she felt quote unquote alive. And she's not really allowing herself to sit in this feeling. So the reality is, is if you don't allow yourself to feel it, you're never going to work through it. So by her going back in time, she's telling herself that back then was better and now is bad. Instead of her recalibrating her nervous system and her mind to be like, now is good, but how can I make now more fun? I need more fun. I need more lover archetype. How can I communicate that? How can I get that in my current life? So she has split her life and she is saying that uh, Cooper... Cooper's the husband. Yeah, that Cooper, the husband, can't give her that. And only Brad, the ex, can give her that. And instead of communicating to Cooper what she wants so that she can have that with him now, she's, you know, clearly never been taught to communicate these things. And I think it's interesting that her character is like a psychology teacher, but whatever. She does the complete opposite. But there's this element of shame around her sexual desires when it comes to expressing it to Cooper. And we can probably draw this into Wounded Feminine, even when she was partying, right? Like she loved all the rough sex and everything. And there was probably an element of shame about enjoying that kind of sex. Otherwise, she would have also spoken about that with Cooper, right? Like, of course, you would want that with your husband. And the thing is, a lot of women want that. Like, I always say, if I don't look like I had sex, then it wasn't good sex. Like, obviously, I've had amazing sex, like, because I always look like I've had sex. And when I mean good sex, I mean, like, you know, have some marks on you and stuff. Like, and I mean, I can't really help the sex hair like but anyways sex hair is like a non-negotiable for me point being a lot of women have sexual shame around wanting these quote-unquote kinky subdom situations wanting to be slapped wanting to be choked wanting to be fucked right like wanting to be thrown and just get your brains fucked and the reason i say this too is because with a lot of my clients who we work through sexual shame and stuff you know, majority of my clients say that they want the man to be more dominant, to be fucked, to be tied up, blindfolded, spanked, to try new things, to have threesomes, to, you know, use toys, try anal, like do all these new different things. And they're afraid of voicing it because so women are afraid of how their boyfriends or the partners are going to react and what they're going to think of them. They're afraid of judgment. And I can tell you right fucking now, a majority of men, good men, will not judge you. 
they will be like, count me the fuck in, right? Like, I've had men who are very, like, <clears throat> love-making men, okay? That's the kind of sex they like. Like, they, they like more love-making stuff. They're more like, I wouldn't say they're softer because they're actually pretty macho, but they're more, quote-unquote, intimate, like, softer sex, and then I'll tell them what I like and they'll be like, oh yeah, I can still fucking do it. And they don't have any shame around doing it. They have that side of themselves. Like it's just a preference. That's all it is. They don't need to be like throwing a chick up against a wall to have great sex. That's for, for them, for men. Like they don't need that. But other men do need that. And a majority of men, even if they prefer, like, even if they don't need that kind of sex to have a lot of enjoyment, if you ask for that, they will 1000% give it to you. I've been in so many situations where, <laughs> like, okay, for example, like, if a guy's been drinking a lot and... <laughs> Oh my god, okay. So if a guy's been drinking a lot, right? Like, he's not gonna fucking fuck you all night, right? Because he's gonna get tired. And a lot of times, like, sober guys do way better, right? And inside, they'll be like, oh yeah, like, I'll go down on you for, like, three fucking hours or whatever it is, right? And that's a pretty common situation if you're in your feminine and he's in his masculine and you don't emasculate him and he knows you're in your feminine he will literally go down on you for three hours he will finger you for three hours he will try to fuck you for three hours he will try to get a hard on no matter how fucking drunk he is for three fucking hours if that's what you want a majority of men will do that but you just have to ask for it you just have to ask for it like, if I ask to be choked, every guy, they're fucking on it, right? And a lot of women have shame around it instead of allowing themselves to receive that. And maybe this is triggering for some of you as well. And if it is, really, really consider working and booking a one-on-one with me to do sexual trauma work because this was even triggering for me for in the past. Like, even if you know, like in the past, if someone would have their hands close to my neck, I would freak the fuck out. I would have like, I would just, it would just be a full fuck no. Like I get so triggered, but now I'm the complete opposite. And that took me a while to get to, but you can get there, right? Like, and you don't have to, if you don't want to, but another thing is that the reason a lot of women actually like and desire this kind of sex is because you are so in your feminine and you get to receive pleasure and that is what we want especially in a very masculine world the whole subdom situation can be so nourishing to your body it can be so fucking nourishing and let me tell you, when I've been well fucked, I'm in a really good mood because it's literally nourishing to my body. And, it, you know, if you don't want there to be, there doesn't have to be any kind of emotional attachment. And, you know, if you're a woman that can't do it, that's fine. If you're a woman that does want the emotional stuff, then great. But anyways, 
I'm fucking rambling. Um, anyways, so the next thing is, uh, oh, fuck, what was it? I lost my train of thought. Billy and Brad, the ex-boyfriend, um, they have a trauma bond. So if you haven't listened to my episode about trauma bonding, then make sure to go back and listen to it. I don't know which one it is, but you can go back and see. Um, but that episode, I talk all about trauma bonding and like, dude, Brad and Billy definitely have a trauma bond, like 1 million percent. And just to add a little more, you know, when it comes to trauma, your trauma is your doorway to freedom. Your trauma doesn't need to be feared. And while it could, can't be holding you back, it doesn't need to hold you back forever. Trauma is an energetic hangover as a result of an energetic, physical, or mental violation. And this energy from the trauma is stuck in your body until you release it. And once you release it, you break the trauma cycle. So this means you're no longer getting triggered. It means you're no longer having a closed heart. It means you're not afraid of things that were similar to your trauma. And even in the wild and stuff, animals actually shake when when a traumatic incident occurs. And that's kind of how we humans are. Like humans, we often hug people. People hug us or we make ourselves stop shaking. And this actually locks trauma in our bodies so as a result every time we get triggered our body releases a pile of adrenaline and it thinks that the the trauma is happening again even though it's not so this actually re-traumatizes the body and you can get stuck in this perpetual cycle of you thinking that you have your shit under control when in reality you don't because you're just suppressing your shit hey i'm just speaking the facts here girl and something that's really important for you to know is that Trauma isn't just rape or murder. Trauma is also like if you lost your mom at Macy's when you were a kid, growing up around crime. If you're a teen mom, poverty, abuse, death in family, um, being bullied. Check out the episode on sisterhood wounding. Um, Your parents getting divorced, a near-death experience, a really bad car accident. Like we all have trauma. We're all fucked up in some kind of way. And we all deserve to gift ourselves the gift of freedom within our bodies because freedom of no longer getting triggered over past things and it affecting our mental emotional and physical body is fucking priceless freedom is having inner peace okay so when we clear the body and rewrite the new story we are full of fucking juicy pleasure fun and freedom So that's about trauma and then the trauma bonding between Billy and Brad, you see this more as the episodes go on. But with Billy and Connor, it's a secure relationship. If you notice, she talks about the rush with Brad and Cooper feels like home. That's the difference between a trauma bond and a secure soulmate relationship. One feels like home, one feels like a rush you want to be in a relationship that feels like home. A relationship that can actually feel boring sometimes or quote-unquote easy, that's a relationship that's actually healthy for you, okay? When it comes to Cooper, the husband, he is very threatened. His masculinity is threatened when he reads and sees Billy's journals, right? And when she reads about the pleasure that she gets off and the scene about the whole like 
angry fucking in the kitchen, right? The subdom. He feels threatened. And of course, like he's going to feel like the past however many years they've been together, he hasn't been giving her what she wants. Therefore, he interprets it as him being a failure as a man. And this is why it's so important to communicate to your man what you want. When I communicate to a man, I want this, like, and then I tell him, like, thanks for doing X, Y, and Z, like, he's, like, my fucking pleasure. Like, you know, like, they'll fucking gladly do it. Men want us to be pleased. So if he thinks he's been pleasing her for the last four years and then he reads this he's like I'm the worst fucking man I haven't pleased her for the last four years this man's better than I am so his masculinity has been completely stripped from him which is then why he's trying to like create all these situations for her to get off and feel dominated by him so that he can actually feel like a man. And I know some of you were kind of triggered by that whole kitchen um kitchen rough sex and I can see why that's triggering, but that's definitely an opportunity to do work. And even when I was watching I was like, yeah, that's angry sex. Like it wasn't like a sexy subdom situation. It was like a I'm angry at you. Like I don't know, maybe maybe that like Cooper wasn't angry at Billy, but he was just, like, angry about the situation and putting his anger into her, and that's, like, not ideal. Like, if I was her, if I was Billy, I would be like, bruh, like, mm-mm, that ain't about to happen. But anyways, that was just, like, a classic subdom situation, right? Like, if that kind of stuff triggers you, that is some work you want to do around the feminine and masculine and letting men lead and you feeling safe to surrender, um... And also look into my program, Let Men Be Men, because we dive deeper into how to harness your feminine energy and really build a good relationship with men and understanding what men really want to do for us. And honestly, 90% of men are fucking incredible. So yeah, and it's really important to be able to speak your boundaries. So when you can share your boundaries and speak your truth, you're not afraid to let men lead because then you would just say no. And you wouldn't be afraid to just draw a boundary because you can actually speak your truth. But if you can't speak your truth and you can't draw boundaries well, you're not going to be able to be in your feminine because then you're going to be afraid of being hurt and over-dominated. So I hope that makes sense. And when it comes to subdom sex, the only reason you can have it is because you'll be like, stop, right? Like even if I'm being choked, for example, and I can't fucking breathe, I'll be like, yo, loosen up, right? And he'll loosen it. But for some women, if they were afraid to speak their desire or just like speaking up, they wouldn't say that. And then they would (laughs) be fucking choking, right? And not in a sexy way (laughs) choking. Not in a sexy way choking. And that can actually reinforce trauma, right? Um... So you can see very easily how they could feel like, oh, he abused me last night. But he'll be like, well, you didn't say anything to me, right? And this is where a lot of confusion can come in for men and women. I'm not saying for every situation, but some situations where a man's like, well, she didn't say anything. 
And even in my, um, my survey that I'm doing for, with men for my program, Let Men Be Men is, you know, there was something with someone where, oh fuck, what was it? One of my male clients was like, after years of being with my girlfriend, she told me about how she had sex, even though she didn't want to have sex. And when she says that to me, it kills me. And it kills him because she never actually told him that. She never said that. So if she didn't want to have sex, he would have stopped. But the fact that she never said it, and now he knows, it kills him. Like, it really kills him. Because the truth is, the majority of men, you know, which is 90% of men, will never ever want to make us feel like we're not fucking safe. Right? No man wants to have a woman feel like she's unsafe. The majority of men are men pleasers. And for us women, biologically... We need a man for protection and we need a man to feel safe and X, Y, Z, right? I'm not a people pleaser, but I'll be a man pleaser, right? So she has this, like Billy is being a man pleaser and she goes on the train tracks, even though she doesn't really want to. And then we have this huge adrenaline rush of the train coming and then he grabs her and she is safe with him. I'm a hero. And this huge adrenaline rush. And they kiss. Right? Way more than fucking normal. A rush of oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin. This is the perfect case for addiction. Okay? So, This is like a fucking hit of cocaine, okay? Like, anyone, me included, would get addicted to a man that would do this. Like, this is why it's so hard to get out of narcissistic situations. Because the addiction is not something that you're necessarily aware of or in control of. Because it's your your brain chemistry that you can't control. And this is why when women come to me after coming out of toxic relationships, they're like, I knew, you know, like, I shouldn't feel like this. I, it was such a bad relationship. Why am I feeling like this? I should be happy I'm out of it, blah, blah, blah. I explain to them the chemistry of it all, and they're like, oh my god, like, you explaining that to me has literally taken the biggest weight off my shoulder, <laughs> shoulders. And it's simply understanding, like, this shit is so important. Um... Next thing that I want to share, that whole adrenaline rush, it gives her the start of the addiction to him. And then he's got control, he can further manipulate her, and she's so addicted that she has no fucking idea that he's manipulating her. And he's also a bit addicted to her from the sounds of it too, because of mommy issues and the whole she sees right through him bullshit and we don't really know if that's true or not from his perspective but let's let's assume that he's got a good heart and let's say that he does mean that right 
and I've done a lot of work where I actually attract in really good men, like, and I'm not talking about partnerships, like, it could be random men, like, who just make sure that I'm okay, and I'm taken care of, and hey, I'm not even a white chick, so, you know, that speaks volumes, and I've also met a fucking handful of assholes, same way, you know, some females are just fucking bitches, and yeah, anyways, that was a fucking tangent, but we're here for it, right? Next thing, um, the scene, episode two, where she's in the library, or she's, like, teaching and about monogamy or whatever, and then he comes in, <clears throat> he fully manipulated her in this scene. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch this. This is really important because you might not have picked up on the manipulation. You might have picked up on the whole, like, oh, that was sexy, but it was actually manipulation, and I think it could be sexy if it w- if they were together for four, five, six, like, months or whatever. Like, you want to say not- yes, I know you want to say yes, because he knows her very well, but he doesn't know her very well at this point. And then she then gives into it because she wasn't strong enough to listen to her own desires, which this is also about ladies, you being in your feminine, coming back into your body, speaking and owning your fucking truth. Anyways, so he's like, oh yeah, you know you want to say yes, by playing on the fact that, you know, he was able, she was able to, quote, see right through him, right? So she thinks, like, oh, like, I'm special, and then he also reinforces, like, oh, no one else has that kind of power over me, and whatever the fuck, and now that this bitch thinks that she's special, she's, like, okay, like, I want to be adored, I want to be seen, I want to feel special, so she fucking gives into it, right, so he manipulates her, saying, you know, you want to say yes, and when you say that over and over and over again, with those fucking smoldering eyes, and the sexy vibes, like, no one else can do that, you're so special, that's manipulation, then the person's like, hmm, yeah, maybe I do want to say yes, and it's like, okay, bitch, do you really want to say yes, like, do you really want to say yes, but anyways, then we go to the train station scene, right, this scene, like, this shit killed me to watch, okay, this is some next level manipulation, okay, he's on the train tracks, and he's like, he's like, just say yes, come down, come down, you're not gonna leave me down here alone, like, full-on manipulation, And what I want you to understand, and I'm going to say this again, I forgot what episode I said this in, but basically there's people pleasing and then there's man pleasing. So you cannot be a people pleaser, but you can be a man pleaser. So assuming that he does have a good heart, she, he also feels like she's special and she can see me and whatever, right? Like all these situations are further enhancing the addiction. And then later, further on, you also see that he has really bad relationship patterns of self-sabotage, right? Which I'll talk about later. So going back to the husband, of course, he is fully addicted to her to reading Billy's journal because how could he not be and for any of you being like oh my god like I can't believe he's reading her journal it's like dude how can he not read her journal he is now sucked in because 
this is his gateway of how to be a better man. And let's be real. We as human beings, there are all these secrets and we want to know secrets. We want to know the stuff that we shouldn't know. It's like when the red button says like, don't press, we're curious by nature. We're going to want to fucking press it and see what happens. And yeah, curiosity killed the cat, but fuck, like at least it was interesting, right? It was worthwhile. So I don't blame him for reading her journal. Like he's hating that his wife is fantasizing about a man that's better than him. So he is trying to read about it so he can try to give his wife everything. And if you look at Cooper's perspective, he's trying to give his wife everything, everything. And it's not about him. It's not about the sex. It's about everything. So that's the first and second episode so now we're going to move into episode three and four. So the passive aggressiveness or like silent punishment from Cooper is not a vibe. You know the scene where he's taking a shower in the morning and she hops in the shower and being all flirty and stuff like, oh, I thought we can have a shower together. And then he just kind of rejects her in the shower. And I mean, that's kind of understandable that he did that. But at the same time, the more they don't talk about the root of what happened and what's happening the worse it gets. And the the root isn't, why are you fantasizing about your ex? Like, that's not the problem. It's something so much deeper than that. And Cooper is being triggered by all of this, not just because, um, not just because of, like, Cooper isn't just jealous about the ex. It's actually this feeling, uh, like, for the character that as a man, I'm not, enough as a man I'm not providing enough for her I'm not pleasing her enough I'm not giving her enough and remember that men are all about output outwards energy I want to be enough for her I want to provide for her I want to lead her I want to protect her whatever right like how can I be the best man for her so of course he now feels like he hasn't been a good enough man for her because his previous ex her previous ex was pleasing her like fucking no other right and now she's writing about it in the way of like how she's not being pleased now by cooper right does that make sense and it's not to invalidate the fact that her and cooper have this safe secure relationship it's just that when it comes to sex and when it comes to femininity and sensuality billy is not feeling like that cup is being filled by her partner And the other thing that was really apparent at the beginning of the episode, she really needs more postpartum support. And more moms do all across the board. I've seen this like in my clients and just like women in general. And women feel like they're losing themselves in this process. Like some of them stop working or they go part time. And, you know, being on maternity leave unless until they can hire a nanny and even if they can hire a nanny, like, they're so exhausted by mom life and working and this and that, and their husband's also exhausted, because there's never any time for that, like, sexual play, right? And this isn't about, like, some quick sex, like, 20 minutes before bed. This is about sexual play. 
This is about like waking up the next morning with hickeys all over you. Like we all know that kind of sex, right? Like that kind of sex is nourishing for every single being. And that is what Billy is missing. She's missing that support where she can feel like she's still allowed to unleash that side of herself. And remember, she was so tapped out. Like her nervous system was so exhausted by the time she met Cooper that Cooper never saw the side of her. And I wouldn't say this is a shadow side to her. This is a part of her. Like, I even have this part of me. Um, and depends on if you follow me on Instagram or not, If you how much you watch too. Like, you might think I'm a certain kind of person. And, I mean, that again is a mirror projection of yourself anyways. But I am crazy. I'm adventurous. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm a loose cannon. Like, I'm organized yet lazy I'm energized like I'm literally the full fucking spectrum like I'm full of it that's just my rising Sagittarius so if Billy has never seen or shown that side of herself to Cooper then she feels like she can't just be like hey babe can you handcuff me like we haven't done that in a while right because they've never done it so yeah mom's if you're listening and you're mom or mom-to-be, like, please consider the price you will pay if you don't have that postpartum support. And a lot of moms don't want to ask for that extra, like, they don't want to have their husband pay for that extra thing. (coughs) Or, you know, they might not think it's worth it or whatever it is, or they'd rather just, like, do it themselves. And I just want you guys to know that... Sometimes not investing in yourself is more expensive than investing in yourself. So for example, in the long run, it's more expensive for you to not hire a babysitter or a nanny or a chef or whatever it is, right? Because you are then sacrificing your relationship, your peace of mind, you're losing yourself because you don't want to spend however much money a week, a month, or a year on someone to help you. And it might not even be a nanny, right? It could be you getting a massage. It could be you having a girl's night out or having a date night with your man or investing in a coach or healer, right? Like whatever kind of support it is, like as long as you feel supported, that's what matters. And everyone's idea of support looks different. So tune into what feels right in your body. So... Now I'm going to dive into the elevator scene where Billy and Brad are going to meet Billy's, no, Brad's mom. I'm really bad with character names. Um, so firstly, the elevator scene is so fucking hot. There is nothing sexier than like whether it's making out with someone in an elevator or literally like having sex or anything in an elevator. Like that shit is amazing. But um... What I did love in the scene, and actually just in general, like, a lot of the scenes with Brad, there's so much focus on Billy's pleasure, and I am so fucking here for this. Like, men who don't focus on a man, oh, on a woman's pleasure, I'm like, mm. because the thing is, and this isn't, like, a selfish thing, this is, like, 
for example, if you're having sex with a guy and he finishes and you haven't, and he doesn't acknowledge the fact that you haven't finished or he thinks you have, like, to me, it's just like, who the fuck are you having sex with? Because you would know if I had an orgasm. And, like, it's very obvious, okay? Like, if a guy has to ask you, I mean, you're probably, like, holding back and definitely need to work with me because I had that issue in the past and tapping helped me get through it. So, if you want to have a tapping sequence on having amazing fucking orgasms, then DM me or email me and, girl, I got you. But... Yeah, like, if a guy is like that, then I'm just like, mm, like, he's done and there's no focus on me. That, to me, doesn't sit well because on a deeper level, the root of that is you don't provide and possibly even you're not caring for my needs right now. It's about you and I've been pushed out in of your mind and... There's almost like this biological safety response where your female brain is like, "Mm, no thanks, right? It's the same exact thing when it comes to like PNV and I've had like five orgasms, right? Which isn't the case for a majority of women. When it comes to paying meals, it's not about the money. It's about he is showing you, I can provide for you. I want to provide for you and I want to care for you. So when a man doesn't do that, I'm like, uh, what? And like I said, it's not about the money because I mean, I could pay for the dinner dinners, but I don't want to. And that's not about me being a diva. But anyways, I love the focus on her pleasure. I also love the focus on clit pleasure through the entire series. Um, I'm going to talk more about this later, but in the elevator, Brad was getting, Brad? Yeah. Brad was getting Billy off just with clitoral stimulation. And I love that the show emphasized on that because so many shows and movies just make you think that women have some kind of like, you know, PMV and they have an orgasm. And 80% of the time, that's not even the case. Statistically, 70% of women need clitoral stimulation and internal stimulation to have a orgasm. So an internal orgasm feels very different compared to an external orgasm. And like for me personally, this is like TMI, but in order to have a internal orgasm, I do need some external, you know, stimulation, but like that, it can literally be plush pressure. Like, okay. So like your G spot is like your clitoris, right? Like on the inside. And that can be pleasure, pressure, pressure from a man just like laying on you or even like putting his hand over your vulva. And, like, that and, and, like, him being inside of you, like, that's two pressure points at once. So, I really love the focus on the clitoral stimulation. So, this is important because, honestly, that's not the case for a majority of women to just have internal, you know, like, sex and orgasms. Like, we then feel like we're not adequate enough in bed because we aren't, like 
you know, how they're having sex on Sex in the City and whatever. And then, you know, it also goes back to men, right? Because with men, men feel like women aren't adequate in bed either because of porn. And TV literally very often shows, except for some cases, but majority of the time, over 50% of the time, it's like PMV and it's like a woman's had an orgasm and that's not a case for a majority of women, especially in like a basic pose, right? Like for me, it's easier in doggy, but like then, then it is in missionary, right? Like missionary, I need a little something, something extra, but so like, I love that in the elevator scene, just like with Brad and Billy, I guess, like their sex scenes. I hope it shows people what they actually want and these quote-unquote like fantasies are very normal and you're allowed to want these things. I feel like so many people are very like sex in bed, sex behind closed doors, like but deep down inside they want to have sex in like the shower or car or elevator or like being fingered while you know your man's driving or like that shit's so fucking hot right and like a lot of people don't give in to their desires so I hope at the very least this show gives a permission slip to just fucking act on your desires so now let's jump into the gym shower scene when Cooper follows Brad to the gym okay so Brad's cock I don't think that was real. I'm pretty sure there was, like, something added because, I mean, I would have fucking heard about it. Like, the shit would have been on the news or something. I don't know. Like, that shit was mid-thigh, okay? Dude, like, guys weigh in, but surely as a dude, you could not be walking around, going for a run, literally living your life with a cock that big. I feel like there had to be prosthetics added or something, you know, like, or photoshopped, like, there ain't no way that shit was real, but if it was, I could definitely understand why Billy's fucking fantasizing. (laughs) That shit was jaw-dropping, bro. I kept rewinding. I kept rewinding to find exactly where it is and, like, just stared at it, like, oh my fucking god like billy's right man that character is a god and i mean if i was billy i would definitely get fucking addicted too you know especially with the cock that big but anyways um and for the guys that are listening and and for the ladies too i think the media does a really good job of like oh big dick big dick like cock size right i do not pay heavy attention to size okay because so like one of my girlfriends like she's always asking like oh does he have a big dick and I'm like "Mm, it's normal like it felt good at the end you know like because I'm not obsessing about size it's more about feeling it's about was the sex good did I get what I wanted did I give him what he wanted it's more about the sex when you're focusing on this one thing it's from a headspace you obsess over it and just because a guy has a big dick doesn't mean it's good sex right like I've had sex with guys with big dicks and they weren't that great and then I've had sex with guys who maybe they couldn't get it up because they've been doing coke all night 
but he and me out for three hours, so I was really fucking happy. You know what I mean? So it it depends on so much more than just the cock size. That's what I mean. And so many things can affect that as well. So I just want to say to any guys that are insecure about their size or they're, you know, like being worried about your cock size, you are pleasing a fucking woman. And if you are making her feel cherished and special and wanted and ravished, if she's a good woman, she won't fucking care about your size. Like, she won't even fucking notice it because she's so in the fucking clouds. And you can be shitty in bed with a big cock and I wouldn't give a fuck. Like, if you're not going to please me and have sex for like three, four hours, then I don't really give a fuck, you know? And, you know... Even if you had a big dick and had 20 minute sex and I had an orgasm, I would probably not see you again because I don't know. I'm just being blunt here. But if you had a medium sized cock and we had sex for three hours, then I'd be like, when am I seeing you again, boo? But um, what I'm saying is the cock size doesn't mean that much. And society puts a lot of emphasis on it. But in the scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. So I just want to remind you of that. And same thing with like breast size, right? Like men have a preference of like breast size. But if you are in love with someone and they don't have the biggest dick you've ever seen, I really hope to God you wouldn't end the relationship because of that, right? Just like you would hate to think that a man's like, oh, I don't want to date her because her ass or titties aren't big enough. You know what I mean? Like, your boobs aren't values. If he was like, oh, because our values are different, that's value. That's different, right? But if he's like, oh, yeah, your boobs and ass are too big or too small or whatever, then it's like, what the fuck? Like, who does that? But that was the whole cock thing that I wanted to talk about. And the next thing was I was very happy when Billy admitted that the drama was addictive, so I was like, yes, girl, hats off to her. Um, you know, like she, she realized that it was addicting and a majority of people can't even realize that. Um, like actually a lot of people know it's addicting, but then they keep doing it. Like we joke about it, right? Like people are addicted to their victimization. People are addicted to being wounded. People are addicted to like, oh, there's no good men. Like people are addicted to their shitty dating story. Like sex. I don't know. People are fucking addicted to anything, right? So, um, under exercising, shopping habits, like, I don't know. I'm like trying to give ideas but people are addicted to so many so many things and they know it but they don't want to change because they're addicted to their addiction right they're addicted to their addiction and the reason being is that their addiction gives them something it gives them a label now that they have a label it's like oh it's okay right? And this is so prevalent in business, relationships, self-sabotage, like people do this all the time. So what are you addicted to? And you don't want to break, break that addiction. Next thing is when Brad and Billy go to see Brad's mom and the stepdad comes. And I'm sorry to say, but he's a complete fuckface. He is so manipulative. And later on in the episode, there's a scene where Brad yells at Billy, but Brad is not narcissistic. So 
So I'll just say Brad's response was not narcissistic, but the stepdad was narcissistic. So the stepdad was saying like, you always do this, blah, 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 saying all these horrible things, right? And he was just trying to power trip him. He was trying to get a reaction out of him. That is really narcissistic. And I mean, that's just like being a sociopath, dude. It was really fucking mean. It was fucked up. But notice the difference between how he was manipulating Brad of like, your stepdad, that's why he left you, versus when Brad is obviously triggered by that, and then him and Billy are screaming and crying on the street, and Brad is like, the, um, you're a dirty woman, why'd you sleep with me on the first date, and like all that stuff, right? That scene. So like the horrible things he was saying, like, and he was like, oh, if you're the shrink, you should know why all this is happening. And some people might be like, oh, he's narcissist, right? I don't see that as narcissistic and hear me out on this one because it's very evident that it's coming from a broken hearted place. And this is coming as a protective mechanism versus the stepdad who wasn't coming at him from, he like, he wasn't triggered. He wasn't visibly emotionally hurt. He was just being a fuck face. Okay. So versus when Brad was then reacting to the whole thing, he was really distraught. And his stepdad said mean fucked up things that really triggered him. So he was just projecting onto Billy. So I'm also going to have an episode on narcissism next week. So be on the lookout for that. But I'm super excited about that because um, I'm not a person who slaps a label onto others. A lot of people are manipulative, gaslighting. I mean, if you fucking work corporate America, you can see through this shit. But... Um, it's a lot of, uh, it's about people trying to get a power trip. Like it's not. So my point being is that a lot of times people are, are not narcissistic. They're just saying shit from a very like broken hearted place. So the stepdad wasn't crying out for help, right? He was just getting off on triggering Brad. Then of course that interaction that Billy and Brad had on the street would have made Billy feel unsafe, but, but it's like, okay, so her emotional female side would have wanted help, right, and especially as a therapist, like, because she's a psychologist, and someone who, okay, what I'm trying to say is someone who helps others, right, that kind of person has a harder time getting out of these kind of sticky situations because they want to help the person. And I have to be aware of this. I often want to help everyone because I feel their pain and I see the trauma. But because she's good at seeing the pain and trauma and X, Y, and Z, and she's studying it, him doing this is only going to make her want to save him even more which is going to make her more addicted to him and then when he takes her back and they're kissing and she's like oh I saved him right and it's like there we go another addiction like another hit of the dopamine adrenaline oxytocin serotonin so so that's that another thing is the chemical reaction that she is having in her body because of Brad she can't just forget that. 
she like compared to something that you really like to do that gives you an adrenaline rush right like for example sometimes I go drive up in the mountains and <clears throat> if it's a new road like I don't know when the fuck it's gonna turn but I'm going really fast and I'm not gonna lie sometimes like my car has been really fucking close to the edge but think of anything that you have done where it's just like holy fuck like you don't even know if you're gonna fucking come back alive kind of like the rides of the fair you know so now another scene is when Billy is picking up Cooper from the train station and she's thinking to herself, why can't I stop thinking about Brad when Cooper is the one I feel safe with, right? And that is because Cooper is the one that makes you feel safe and you can't be addicted to a person who makes you feel safe. You, like Cooper is not the one that she needs to do self-diagnosis and work on and around. So this is why it can actually take people a long time to get into healthy relationships because they will run away more easily from the safe, quote, boring, quote, vanilla, quote, easy relationship. They will run for those addictive, rushy relationships, right? And I say this to my clients all the time, when you have fucked up your nervous system from enough trauma, enough ups and downs, stresses, moving around, enough of the unknown. Most of us have a jacked up nervous system. That will actually help you that will actually make you become more addicted and want to call in and be in fucked up situations and addictive relationships. But then when you so the whole situation with Billy and Brad, that's what a majority of us tend to go after especially when we have years and years of built up trauma, right? And if you don't know what trauma is, refer to my other podcast all about trauma. But for people who are in those quote healthy vanilla easy relationships, what Billy has with Cooper, it's you know, it's not that they're boring, it's just that your nervous system isn't used to it. But when you rewire your nervous system and you clear your body of all the trauma, you actually start to go within and say, Hmm, I want to be in this safe relationship. This feels good to my body. Instead of being like, Oh, this feels boring. So I hope that makes sense. There's good addictions, there's okay addictions, and there's bad addictions. Like, being addicted to adrenaline all the time is not a good addiction. Being addicted to, like, think of it like when you're about to go travel, right? Like, you get this adrenaline rush. That is a good adrenaline rush, right? But if it's, like, drinking a person or some shit like that, that's bad. If you're addicted to, like, snowboarding, surfing, that's, like, a fine addiction, right? Being addicted to wine every night, maybe not so fine, but a couple of times here and there is fine. So a little gem here, this little wisdom I'm going to drop here is if you are dating anyone that gives you a push slash pull, you will get addicted to it. I get addicted to it. So if I get addicted to that, then you absolutely will too. You need to run as fast as you fucking can. As soon as you get a hit of that push and pull okay because it's not easy to leave these kind of relationships especially once you're sucked in and it's not easy to leave a relationship full stop you know this is why it's really important 
to have someone on your side that's going to hold you accountable and be like, bitch, get the fuck out of this situation. That helps you break the addiction in your brain and your body. So jumping forward, when Brad comes over to Billy's apartment after the whole street fight thing and tells her their tells her his story this actually brings them together right because he's being vulnerable but i want but i want to highlight something that's important is that so many of us actually push down our childhood and we tell ourselves we're fine and what i love about this scene so a couple of really good things. There's a lot of good things from the show. So let me put some positive. One, the postpartum struggle. Two, kinky sex like most people fucking want and they don't announce it. Three, the inner child stuff that we have to deal with. I was really happy to see that being brought up and, you know, it, it just being brought to people's awareness of how your childhood really does affect your relationships. And... For the struggles people can have when they're not having their needs met in relationships. And also the struggles that men have as well when they feel their masculinity masculinity being threatened, right? Okay, so when Brad comes over to Billy's apartment, what I wanted to highlight here is that when we push out our childhood and tell her, like tell ourselves, like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, like, that's bullshit. Because the reality is, is that... You have spent your whole life not feeling wanted by a parent, not feeling like not getting a birthday card every year. You can say it's okay, but it is going to affect you, even as a grown man. It doesn't matter if you don't think it's a big deal or not. And you can say like, oh, it's fine. But it is. It's a huge deal. And until you actually heal that... It's going to continue to affect your life. I have met the strongest men who have a million wounds and they just push it all down because they tell themselves, I'm fine. No, like you are not fine. You are not fine. And this breaks my heart so much for these men and this kind of pain, especially men because they have this whole macho thing. Of like, I'm fine, I don't need help. But, like, guys, I want to help you. It is so sexy when a man has worked on himself because then he can be the man for the women, which is fucking hot. So if you're a man listening to this, please announce it to your fucking friends that doing the work, personal development, is sexy as fuck. Okay, next scene is when Billy and Cooper are having sex in the car. One, car sex is hot as fuck. Two, that it really is a fucked up situation for when a man cannot get it up. Cooper is stressed from the day before. He can't get it up. And that's why he's like, no, we're fucking having sex, right? Because he doesn't want to validate Billy's story of like, I'm not getting my needs met. And two... I was so not impressed to see that she kept saying slow down and he wasn't listening. Like, that's a full fuck no. (laughs) I would push him off. But one, 
he might not have heard her heard her but here's the thing men are single focused so he his ears might have heard her but he didn't hear her I hope that makes sense because he's focused on finishing so he didn't register her like he didn't register her saying slow down because his brain just didn't do the work you know how like sometimes you can hear things but your brain can't register it that's what I'm talking about and two this is an opportunity for her to speak her truth way more than just slow down and so many people so many women actually struggle with this so generally speaking Cooper doesn't want to hurt her he's trying to do the opposite and generally speaking men are not trying to hurt us men are not trying to get power over us and abuse us or anything like that men want to please us they want to be there for us and we also have a role a duty to speak up so ladies don't have sex if you don't want to like if you're like oh no maybe another time he might take that as like try harder show her more that she's desired right so you have to give him a hard no and i'm not saying like you have to be a bitch not like no because that could be taken as like a flirty no of like try harder right like i've done that in the past where i'm like no no like but really i'm like come fuck me like really hard right and that's like really fucking confusing for men you need to be clear with your fucking nose i like no that's not happening i'm not in the mood maybe another time or this is what i need if you really want to do this but like don't be ambiguous basically and i also didn't love that cooper isn't really focused on her pleasure like that is not a vibe and then even in i think it's like one of the first episodes where billy's trying to have sex and he's just like focused on the game right that's going on in the background but um yeah I definitely need a man that loves long sex sessions, like at least three, two or three times a week. But yeah. Um, But what I really want to talk about is why sharing our feelings and stuff, like why is this stuff so difficult for women, right? And it makes us feel so like empty. Like you can actually see that during the show. Like the lady is a really good actress like you could see it in her eyes women's brains equate attention to connection this even goes for one night stands even if you are having casual sex with someone it's not like a romantic i love you connection there is respect there is a connection so he is pleasing you and when he pleases you you feel like we have a connection He doesn't need to feel like, oh yeah, we have a connection. It's your brain, your biology that is like, yes, we have a connection because attention's on you and then you feel pleased. And when you're not being pleased, you feel like there isn't a connection. So your biology gets really sad. Your brain gets really sad like, oh, we don't have a connection. And it can actually make you feel really numbed out and distant as a coping mechanism. So next thing, um, on the phone call, like when Brad's fucking Billy's best friend and he like has her watch and he FaceTimes her. 
all it takes is for Brad to be triggered and he starts acting from his wounded. And the last thing I want to bring up is how Brad is always wanting to finger Billy. It's slightly overboard. And this is kind of dependent on you individually. Like, you have to tune into what feels right in your relationship. Obviously, that's intoxicating to her brain. And she had an orgasm watching watching it. Like, she was probably, like, remembering and thinking and feeling and wishing that it was her, right? Like, that's just asking for the addiction to be perforated. And it's asking for it. But that's that. And then... Brad isn't actually trying to be a bad guy or an asshole by the looks of things. And I'm kind of going off the whole, um, like, tattoo thing, right? Like, remember the scene where, like, he gets a tattoo and he's not an asshole. But some of his behavior is very wounded from his past, from his childhood. But if you're in a relationship and your partner's always wanting to have sex, like, it's not like a friends with benefit thing, like, you're you're with your partner and it's always about sex. It does beg the question of whether your partner gets validation out of making you finish, which we all get validation out of making our partner finish, but an overly unhealthy amount of it like this constant need of like, I'm enough if she gets off, there is a line, right? Like if you're in a tattoo parlor, a good kiss could suffice for the average person. You don't need to get her off to feel like the man all the time. So that means that Brad definitely has some kind of masculinity issues and he gets this I'm enough feeling by making Billy feel addicted to him. Like, it makes him feel like he's enough. So, this is a question for you guys to ponder on for your own relationships, if that suits you. So, what else do I want to talk about? I think that's it. I hope that was mind-opening. Let me know if this was good, because I am re-watching for study purposes, just to make these podcast episodes, but this was, this podcast episode covered session sessions episodes one to four and yeah and that being said reminder that my inner child healing program is coming out august 28th i'm really excited for that i also have an entire section all about love and relationships and if you haven't already listened to the attachment style podcast episodes um make sure you do because the program is going to encompass at, uh, an entire tapping sequence for your specific attachment style and we dive into codependency and everything like it's really powerful it's good stuff and also next month I'm gonna be opening up my program let men be men so that is all about how to stop emasculating men really understanding men and building a better relationship with them so that's that on the business side and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode I know this is just a tv show but of course we're adding assumptions to things but the intention of this podcast is to just help you become more aware of some patterns 
and just to kind of realize your own woundings yourself that's also an invitation to work on it for yourself so you can feel free in your actions and in yourself and feel confident and feel like you don't have to go about things in a wounded way so last thing I actually want to talk about is I've had a lot of dms on instagram in regards to the california mandate and basically now in order for you i this starts in the middle of september september but in order for us to get into restaurants or bar or club um, or gym or any indoor venue basically you have to show proof of vaccination and I have trained myself to not be reactive. So when I saw this, I wasn't freaked out. I don't think it will last. It is so against human rights, whether you are vaccinated, whatever your stance is on vaccination, it doesn't matter. This is now a human rights issue. So I'm not going to be talking about this on my Instagram. Um, and I don't want to feed into it. I don't want to make it part of my paradigm, the new world that we're creating and entering into, but I think it'll be for a little bit of time as a scare tactic. It is definitely a fear tactic because they've given us a month and a half to get this done, whereas when France had done it, it wasn't like a scare tactic. It was like, it's happening next Monday, right? Like, So I'm hoping this is just a little scare tactic and... It means people who don't think for themselves are going to go rush and get vaccinated. And then the mayor, governor, whatever is going to be like, oh, yeah, majority of people are vaccinated, so we don't have to do this anymore. And also, this is actually going to create a lot of um, pressure for people who are working in the hospitality industry because it's like they're not getting fucking paid to be checking other people's medical records, like fucking vaccination cards, you know, like. They're not there to police people. They don't have time for that. Because, I mean, think about it. Every time you want to walk into Whole Foods or Target, you have to get your vaccination card checked. Like, I think it's going to totally fuck up the economy and cause a mass exodus, especially since it's California and New York. So I'm being very responsive, not reactive. I'm going about it in my own way. If there's a will, there's a way. And I thought about this pretty thoroughly, and I don't really know if they have some other crazy-ass plans. I don't fucking know, but best-case scenario, it's a fear tactic, and I'm not fucking stressed. And I know that in London, they actually have, like, an immunity card where if you you've already had COVID and your body's, like, immune to it, then you get this card and you're good to go which is like way better because then it's like you're immune and not vaccinated which is it's like a very simple thing and you know yeah and I think it's funny that there's a lot of people that I actually know who have COVID and have gotten COVID and they're vaccinated and they have it and I'm not vaccinated I haven't had it um but yeah my body's open vessels clear and so it is I'm not carrying it. I'm not spreading it. So, yeah. Anyways, but whatever. It's a discussion for another time. Point being, ladies, don't be stressed about it. Respond. Don't react. We have some time to sort it out. Get creative. Just get creative.
Okay. Get creative. That's all I'm going to say. And don't stress about it. Because honestly, even if they did implement it for a few months, there would, there's no way it would carry out. Like there's no way every single restaurant and bar would be checking it because I mean like even when I go out to fucking Red Lobster they hardly ever even you know check my ID so I wouldn't even trip about it man that shit ain't gonna last so fuck it and I will talk to you all next week and hey regardless of your status I hope you do agree that this has gone too far and I definitely understand people's points of, like, this is pe- their way of having pe- more people get vaccinated because of the Delta variant and whatever. And I understand that. But now what's happening is we are dividing those that are vaccinated versus those that are not. And you're, like, choosing not to do something, right? Like, just because you're choosing not to put a trial drug in your body, you can't live your life. Like, that is human rights being taken away for an issue that is just fucking absurd in my opinion but that's the last little bit (laughs) um I don't want to talk about it on my Instagram because there's enough fear mongering going on and I am not about it so that's just not a vibe so that's that and this is my final bye (laughs) I hope you got lots of inspiration and empowerment from today's episode I'd be really grateful if you could leave a review or share this podcast so I can live my purpose to help other women claim their divinity. To work with me or stay inspired, follow me on Instagram at bloomshakti or check out my website bloomshakti.com.